Welcome to Midcast, the podcast by the Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. This is episode 411.5. Reported on Sunday, the 30th of April, 2023. Out on the trail again, I'm Joe. I'm still rolling as moss. Feeling fit and looking fancy, I'm Bill. Still doing his taxes, it's Majid. With special guest, Dale Miracle. Alright, let's move on to the Linux innards. Okay, Dale, over to you again. All right, well, one of my interests and hobbies is uh, I've started recently is writing because I never really was a really good writer in, uh, in school. And even though I learned how to type in uh, fifth grade, I was probably about, I know only us Americans revert, refer to uh, the grades we were in school because I know in other countries they more specifically, they say the ages, but I don't remember any of that. So, um, but yeah, I learned how to type when I was in fifth grade, and mostly because I broke my arm and didn't learn how to write cursive properly. So, I was meeting Moss a few years ago and being invited on to Distro Hoppers because they found out that I was an old Distro Hopper myself. Um, started writing the uh, show notes and stuff. And then I've always been interested in history and certain tangents of history. And I did the, uh, sort of doing these technology articles. And the one that I started here is, I was wondering, I was talking with my friend Josh and could have been my friend Don, I can't remember who, but I, I was, I was thinking, or it could have even been Moss. And I was thinking, I wonder how old this whole idea is, because we all know, not all of us, but most of us know that a lot of this goes back to Xerox, Xerox Park, and in the, in the 70s. And they created all this technology, what we see, the desktop that we see today, and the whole idea how Steve Jobs got the ideas from that to create the, uh, the interface on the Macs, and how Bill Gates also got the idea from Jobs of how to make Windows. And so on and so forth. So that's just the back the back story about where this idea came from when the Mintcast crew was asking for ideas for, for topics. And I said, well, I got these articles about, and I called them the origin of the graphical user interface. And I was thinking it was only going to be like one page, really simple. No, no, this has been a couple years in the making in my free time. And... This uh, this be a quick question. I mean, I've already mentioned this in our our planning meeting uh, a couple like was it two weeks ago, and uh, maybe I think yesterday. But how old would you say the idea of interfacing with a computer goes back to? You don't have to say like a specific year, but what decade do you think this this whole idea started? I can read the notes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Before you read the notes, what was your preconceived notion uh, Well, we had this conversation of... the other day. I said 1953, which was 
relatively close. Oh yeah, you were you were the closest of anyone that I've ever talked to about this. So yeah, basically the origins tra- uh, date back to 1955 at MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and they created a thing called the light pen. And it basically looks like a regular writing utensil, but it has a has a light sensor on the on the tip of the pen. It was a very clever design. Um, oh, um, brief the how it worked. wanted me to interrupt you um, from the YouTube and says he he had a couple things to say here. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what dot init rd or zero zebra do, but they make jokes about your name randomly in Linux Mint server. Dot init rd is a cool dude though. I've had a sweet time in Linux Mint server. I think it goes back to the 1980s, which is what he was saying about the time frame that he thought. Um, and then yeah. can you read my comment? So yes, I can read your comment. Yes, 1980. Yeah, that honestly, I was just because I knew about Xerox and that. I was thinking it couldn't have been any earlier than the 70s because the the whole idea of having a desktop computer wasn't even possible until the 80s with the Mac, what became the Mac and uh, the other computers that were built after that point. Well, yeah, the Apple, the Apple SE2s, things like that, yeah. Yeah, the IBM, IBM computers, the old, the, uh, the 5150s, you know, the Compact. 5100 series. Was, no. Yeah, and the Compaq spun off the of com- that. Com- Commodore 64. They were the first. Yeah, the Commodore 64, he had the Ataris. And um, Compaq was the first OEM of the IBM desktops. So <clears throat> the uh, the brief way of how this pen worked is uh, pretty much it can see the pixels. And it knows that the screen is being updated at whatever the refresh rate is of the monitor. And it can see when the pixel lights up. Well, the other thing is the computer knows about these pixel grids too. And basically the pen says, hey... I just saw grid 1430 light up. I'm here. Then the computer says, yeah, I got it. And it knows what it put on the screen there. It goes, yeah, you're, you're pointing to this. So I'm going to, and there would be like a little button on the, on the, on the thing. You'd click and go, okay, that's where I am. So <coughs> pretty, pretty interesting how they devised that. Now, um, the first wide adoption was uh, on Sage. It's the semi-automatic ground environment, and this is heavily government-funded for like for uh, military use. And what uh, Sage was was basically an early radar system because uh, Hedy the Moor and I can't believe I can't remember the other gentleman's name. They actually. One of the people that improved upon it with the spread spectrum um, technology, where like Dale, Doppler. You do realize that Hedy Lamar is a woman. Yeah. Okay, you said Hedy Lamar and the other gentleman. <laughs> oh, I told you. I told you. Remember, I told you earlier that I, that I don't. I, I. Actually, that that. Okay, still I understand. Tracks. I just wanted it clear yeah. that one of our original yeah. pioneers was a woman oh yeah <laughs> well one of the things i mentioned and a famous in, actress besides yeah i'll probably duplicate this or repeat myself here but it's in, in also in the notes here the term computer 
before a computer was invented was basically a woman that could do complex mathematical calculations. Because... Yeah, there was a film about this, wasn't there? Yeah, women weren't allowed to be in active combat, but they could join the military. And what they did was they created all the firing solutions for the bomber pilots and the artillery um, personnel. Because they, all these women did all the calculations for the rise and fall and air, you know, a 20-knot wind is going to slow it down this much, give this much of an angle, you know, stuff like that. So we really have to give a lot of uh, thanks to uh, the, the women of the 1940s. In 1950s. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the name of the film that had it. Um, I think it won an Oscar. About the it? lady that did all the ago. calculations for for NASA. Now there was another one about for the military. I think they were mainly African American women. I can't remember. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I probably got it. I'm probably misremembering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The memories recall is hard, but uh, pretty much what they they used it for is they uh, had uh, 16 inch CRTs that were configured to be used with the light pens. And basically, they could just touch, like, this bomber needs to go to Frankfurt. So they could actually be able to tap and plot a route for that, and it would update and say, they're here now. Then they would they could actually tap the little dot, and it would tell them, oh, that's this plane. Type. And it was the earliest form of air traffic control which I thought was kind of, that's the reason why I included it here, because I thought that was the first use of a very crude GUI, <laughs> you know, GUI system. And the computer, I love this, because even back then, companies were terrible at naming something. Guess what the name of this computer was? It was called the AN slash FSQ7. Rolls right off the tongue. And, uh, so if you ever complain about models we have now, yeah, it hasn't gotten any better. Um, it was also the first computer to use magnetic core memory. And basically, that was a piece of iron with a wire wrapped around it with one end plugged into one receptor and one plugged into another one. That's, I read how that works, and don't ask me to repeat it. <laughs> and how they figured it out. But to give you an idea of the computers, we're not talking about, you know, like a tablet or I'm not sure if you can see my the corner of my desktop or there's my server right there. There's my Plex server. We're not talking about something like this. We're talking about a computer that weighed 250 tons. I'm assuming it's American tons. It was an American article I was reading. And contained 49,000 vacuum tubes. They called them electronic tubes um, back then. 250 tons. Let that sink in for a minute. The truck I drive has a maximum weight of 80,000. <laughs> so that's, you know, puts in the perspective. <clears throat> 80,000 pounds is uh, 40 tons? Yeah, 40 tons. Yeah, sorry. My brain's going 100 miles an hour right now. <laughs> um, but yes, yes, Moss. So that gives you an idea. Um, so terminology and technology differences have changed a lot since the uh, 1950s to 2023. Uh, a CPU in memory was in many cabinets that would fill one floor of a building. 
additional cabinets were used for storage. Now, these were the size, initially, of, like, washing machines and refrigerators. I mean, some of them were, like, a good almost two meters tall, maybe a meter wide. Um, some of them were on casters that can be moved. Some of them needed, like, forklifts to be able to move them around. Um, I remember there was a picture, if you Google it, the 5 megabyte drive, IBM drive being pulled out of a 1940s or 50s era airplane with a forklift. And this hard, 5 megabyte hard drive was like a couple tons, just to give you an idea of what, they're, what we're working with here. Now, the graphics is kind of, I played this joke on the guys in the plan, one of the planning meetings last week about the graphics terminal, which was uh, kind of funny because we think of graphics as what we're looking at right now. Graphics to them is what we, what we would consider text mode when you're typing commands in the terminal or in DOS. That's what they called graphics mode because before then, how you interfaced with a computer was you had a, a Xerox line printer called a teletype print out the output of what you were keying in dip switches and buttons on this console. So that's to give you, you know, some more perspective. And these uh, terminals, what we would look at and consider a computer, like a desktop computer, they were called graphical display units graphical terminals and the uh, it's gdu for short so the gdu depended on the cpu to do all the processing work it was later referred to as a dumb terminal if everyone ever heard of like a wise terminal or a vt100 vt320 those were all dumb terminals they pretty much had enough smarts to put the stuff on the screen take the input you typed in the keyboard and the mouse and send it to the cpu of course, the mouse hasn't been invented yet, but just to give you an idea. Um, a complete computer was comprised of several CPU storage cabinets and many GDUs, covering several floors of a building. Most of the floors were GDUs, all wired directly to these CPUs. Now, keep in mind, this is all government research facilities, universities had access to these. This wasn't something you could just walk down to and say, you know, knock, knock, knock. Can I play Tetris on this thing? No, no. You had to have a reason to be there and use them. Um, the 60s saw business begin um, to use computers. Initially, this was in the financial sector for banks and financial institutions because they found out computers are wicked fast at math. So they found out that instead of reconciling a bank after a month or a week and hope it was correct, they could feed it into a computer and they had, you know, much faster reconciliations of their of their tallies. So I think we'll break here for if anyone wants to uh, comment or question. Well, dumb terminals are awesome. I mean, well, back in the day. And then also, you know, a lot of your MUDs, tended to use the uh, same techniques that they used back then to do anything kind of graphical. So. Well, what was your favorite? Was your favorite the green? Was well, it definitely the, the gray? gray? 
or I was it the orange? Was your much, much amber. easier on the eyes than the amber? And I don't ever remember seeing the, 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 the definitely gray. the amber. Gray was I think Weiss W. Moss might be able to help me there. W Y S E. I I'm not sure if you knew that from one of your ex wives. Um, the Weiss terminal. <laughs> No, I was not married to anyone working for Weiss. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I figured she the one that you mentioned worked for digital, and I'm pretty sure they yeah. may have ha- they may have had some Weiss terms. Uh, I, I think the NBI and uh, and other uh, word processing uh, white on gray monitors. Yeah, they weren't very common. Most common were the orange, which were usually like the VT two twenties and VT three twenty ones. I never saw very many orange vt100s or 102 but uh i knew about these because when i first got into it work there were still companies using this stuff and i had to know how to work on them but in any case moving on even though the light pen was a big success the killer app so to speak was the sketchpad and i believe we agree i think this is the one that we're going to play a two minute video after i'm done talking here um Bill, you're me. You're muted. Okay. Well, let me. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. I'll have to get yeah. That, let me uh, get run through this. Running, um, let me see. Read ahead here to see a good stopping point. Um, I'll, we can play it before I start talking about the RAND tablet. All right. Even though, okay, I already Just read that section. The uh, the sketchpad was created by Ivan Sutherland in 1963 considered to be the ancestor of both computer-aided design, which is called CAD, and other major breakthroughs in uh, computer graphics. So if you're a a CAD or uh, a Visio user, you can thank him for it, or you can curse him for it, your preference. The uh, first program to use uh, complete graphical words, the first program to use a complete graphical user interface from its inception. Some of these were modified to use it. This one was made for this intent and purpose. Now this computer actually has a better name. They used a Lincoln TX-2. It was an advanced uh, transistor-based computer built in 1958 by MIT's Lincoln Laboratory. It was their Lincoln campus in uh, Massachusetts. A lot of hardware came out of this uh, facility with the uh, cooperation of uh, IBM and later DEC when that was formed into a company, Digital Electronics Corporation. Users would draw on the screen using a light pen, using geometric constraints, which was a major invention, allowed for precise drawing as opposed to freehand drawing. It would correct the... uh, Lines to the exact length, angles, could be maintained while drawing is modified. And not in the, to get into the finite details and the geeky thing of uh, geometric constraints. Basically, the headline on the Cliff Notes book basically would say you would have a line, like like straight line, and you want to make it into a triangle. You just click and drag it up. The line would not increase in length. It would just move to that point, and it would be completely isometric between the both sides. This was a breakthrough. This was something where the computer actually had to calculate the math to do this. 
And we're talking about a computer that ran at a few kilobits per second. Yeah, we have, what, 4 gigahertz, 4 billion calculations per second, and this thing is doing a few thousand. I, that's why I preface a lot of this to take into consideration because the stuff they did with this equipment, you want to talk about a potato? This is a potato on steroids. So, Bill, you can go ahead and uh, play this demonstration of the uh, sketchpad. Volume is messed up. It, it's mostly this visual, unfortunately. <laughs> Which is the reason why I wanted to play it. Keep in mind, this is a sub one megahertz computer. It's actually surprising how well it's doing. Oh, yeah. I mean, now Alan Kay, the uh, gentleman, um, I've got a couple more seconds here. I'm sorry for those only getting the audio version. Yeah, they can't hear terrible. this, but you can go to the YouTube version and see how fabulous <clears throat> it really is. Yes, if you go to the. Uh, Go to our show notes, show notes yeah. for the for the link, or if you go to itsmoss.com and the history and computing section, and it'll be the uh, origins of the uh, graphical user interface article. But what we'd like you to do is go check out the YouTube channel while you're there. Hit like, like, and subscribe. Go down the list and like all yeah, the so videos. You get That'll the, really help uh, us information out a lot. from. Uh, their telegram group and the youtube channel and uh let's see if we can continue on we, here we'd ask you to join our patreon but we don't one yet <laughs> yeah moss was supposed to set that okay, up okay the uh the rand tablet developed by the rand corporation in 1964 an input device that used the stylus attached to a 10 inch by 10 inch or 255 millimeter by 255 millimeter printed circuit board using capacitive sensors. And it looked and functioned like today's drawing tablets, like a Wacom, if you're familiar with that. Uh, it had 100 lines per inch or 25.4 millimeters of resolution capable of digitizing 1 million points. It used handwriting recognition program called GRAIL. It stood for Graphical Input Language. Grail could identify 53 hand-drawn numbers, letters, symbols, and geometric shapes, able to use gestures to manipulate items on the screen. It inspired the creation of devices like Wacom tablets, Apple Newton, and the Palm Pilot by Palm that used the, I think it was calligraphy, or I can't remember what they used. I used to have a Palm Pilot, but they had the... Uh, the way you draw symbols and it would translate it into uh, letters. It amazes me that that was there in the 60s. Oh, yeah. You know, the stuff. Using very similar technology that we're basically using today. And Alan Kay, the gentleman that was in that video, he was very instrumental in the development of, I believe it was the, uh, I'm blanking on the name now, it was small, uh, small talk uh, development platform for the early Macintosh. He developed that, and he was also instrumental in the GUI designs. Um, his list of credentials, this Google Allen K, A-L-A-N, and then last name C-A-Y, or I mean, sorry, K-A-Y. The lettering for Palm Pilot was called graffiti. 
Yeah, thank you, Moss. Graffiti. With only one F. So, yeah, and what I said during the video, these were sub one megahertz computers. We're talking about something where you could pretty much boot the computer up, drive to McDonald's, drive back, and it might be done. <laughs> <laughs> so that was most of your like if we 90s and turn them on you go start your coffee and you boot it up yeah so if there's no other comments or discussions we can uh, move on all right this is the meat the meat of the uh of the discussion here douglas engelbart engineer and inventor joined stanford research institute known as sri international in 1957 You'll notice a lot of these names sound like well-known American universities. It's because that's where they got their start from, like MIT and, and Stanford. They formed the Augmentation Research Center at the Stanford Research Institute. They created the idea of hypertext, the foundation of how to point and click functions, an icon is a link that refers to another object. Members of the Augmentation Research Center invented the mouse. The first prototype was in 1964. The first public demonstration in 1968. The patent was filed on 1967 and granted in 1970. Um, for your trackball lovers, which I, I love mine, and I know Moss uses one too. Um, yeah, and uh, Bill has got one. Well, that and everyone has one. <laughs> yeah, Joe has one. So, trackball predated the mouse. Actually, uh, there was two inventions from uh, two people in separate countries a few years apart. The English engineer Ralph Benjamin, in 1946, patent filed and granted in 1947, and was well, is filed in 46, granted in 47, called Rollerball. And the British electrical engineer Kenyon Taylor and a team at the Royal Canadian Navy's Digital Automated Tracking and Resolving Project, um, that was another radar tracking uh, project, but in Canada. Um, it's called DATAR, DATAR, created their version of the trackball in 1952. Uh, Douglas and, and his team started the Augmentation and Human Intellect Project. Douglas was inspired by Vannevar Bush, who wrote an essay, quote, As We May Think, end quote, in 1945. Let that sink in. At 1945, the end of World War II, around that time. Vannevar, an early engineer, an inventor, and science administrator for the U.S. government, he described an electrical mechanical device called a MEMEX, M-E-M-X, which would, what would be, uh, tripping over my tongue, it's what we would call a uh, microfilm or a microfish viewer. And... Uh, he thought of this before any of this was even invented. I mean, or even the concept of this, which is mind-blowing. Uh, Douglas and his team created the 
on-line system, or NLS, software around 1965. They, they, they gained uh, inspiration from this, um, this uh, essay. They also created a corded keyboard, also known as a key set. It looks like a, a five-key piano. Probably, it's about the size, of, a little bit bigger than the size of your hand, an adult male hand. Each key uh, corresponds to uh, functions in the NLS, and the keys could be pressed separately or combined as if you're playing a chord on a piano. The idea is to use the mouse in your right hand and the key set in your left hand. The keyboard was only meant for typing documents, but there was some special keys on the, uh, the keyboard that would work with NLS too. Here are a few of the innovations from NLS. Document, creation, removal, and editing. Select text and link to other portions of a document or other documents. It's an early form of hypertext linking. Like uh, Tim Berners-Lee got the idea on how to create a hyperlink from this. Um, edit the document with multiple people remotely, um, which is the first idea of like a wiki or what uh, um, some call groupware, like uh, OpenOffice on uh, Nextcloud type, type of uh, functionality or Office 365, something like that. A collaboration. Yeah, collaboration kind of software. Yes, thank you. Ability to move and resize multiple windows. First time a mouse was used with a graphical terminal. The, uh, the computer that the uh, NLS used was a Scientific Data Systems 940, SDS 940. The first computer to use time sharing, which meant multiple terminals could be used concurrently. Before time sharing was created, a terminal would take turns using the, the uh, CPU. So basically, you would type in a command and then you'd have to wait and wait and wait until it's your turn for it to be Server processed. Client, almost thin client. We're coming up to that. I... Yeah, yep. Yeah, that's uh, the early um, the, uh, design of that. Um, let's see. Did that, we did that. They still used multiple cabinets for the CPU and storage, but the size was much smaller. Now we're basically the size of like a like a mini fridge, maybe about not quite like a half a meter tall, you know, something like that. It's like this all combined, all these components was the size of a city bus. Douglas and his team had public demonstrations on the 9th of December, 1968 historically referred to as the mother of all demos. And we don't have time to show any of this, but search in Google, or YouTube rather, the mother of all demos. You're going to be blown away. I, I guarantee it. It was held at the Association of the Computer Machinery Institute of Electrical Electronics Engineers, ACM slash IEEE, Computer Society's Fall, Joint Computer Conference in San Francisco, California. And I would have loved to see the sign that that, that had it printed on. It had to have been the size of a car. <laughs> 
Douglas's terminal was connected via a home-built 1200-baud modem back to their lab in Menlo Park, which I believe, if I remember correctly, was like 10 or 15 minutes away. See, NASA loaned two microwave transmitters, cameras, and a video switcher. These were later used for the moon landing, um, but they lo leased it to them uh, for this, de for this uh, demonstration. That is extremely cool. So that's just the first. That's just the first decade. Um, when I get time to come back on the show again on the podcast, we will talk about the 1970s. I did go and link in uh, the YouTube video of the mother of all demos that you now in the show notes. I'm going to have to check that out. It's amazing. There is actually it? quite a bit of discussion on uh, Wikipedia no. about it. So if you want more no, in depth, go is there. Just GUIs that you were writing the history of. Um... Do you eventually want to do like the history of the internet and how that developed? Because you have some knowledge of that already, and um, because you know you were there for good chunks of it. We 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 were there for good chunks of it. Eighties, nineties, two thousands. So, are are you thinking about that? Yeah, yeah. I've talked to Moss, and uh, I've talked to some other friends about about where I'm going. It's. This one's more, I guess, really it's not like a foundation. It's more of I'm going to go into the hardware a little bit more because I am a hardware nerd, big hardware geek. And uh, also the the history of the Internet because I know quite a bit about my readings about how the Internet was started. Like here's like a, a spoiler for, for a future article. Can you imagine there was a lady in Stanford and at the Stanford Research Institute she was responsible for maintaining the host the file, host file yeah. for the entire internet. You would call up and say, "Hi, this is Bob from the uh, uh, from the something something department at MIT. Um, we want to bring a host online. Uh, we want to give it um, the name um, um, Skippy. So it's going to be Skippy.mit.edu. Okay, then they would go." And FTP, <laughs> download the host file, puts it in Etsy slash host, and now everybody on the internet could ping that, location, that new location, that computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we do have the second chapter of this already on itsmos.com. We are waiting for Dale to get the time to write the third chapter, and we don't know if there's only three or going okay. to be four. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, well, this is going to be the 80s. I'm hoping, because this is just getting too long and drawn out for these articles, I'm hoping after I do the article for the 80s, I'm hoping that I'm able to condense the 90s and the 2000s and the aughts together, because pretty much all we have in the aughts was basically um, Wayland. We had the creation of Xorg, which was ported from... X11 release, um, X11 release, well, whatever you have, release no, six, I'm I think. I'm going to disagree with you there, because even if you're talking about um, just GUI interfaces for computers, the early aughts are the beginning of the, the cell phones. So computers. Well, that... That smartphone. That's a different... And all that, yeah. Yeah, that's a different user interface. See, I'm mostly... Um, Looking at Just the uh, computers, house. I'm 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 blanking on the acronym, but WIMP, Windows 
Windows icons, mouse, and something else. Pointer. Pointers, yeah. That's the interface design that I'm focusing okay. on for right now. So pretty much in the in the 80s, you've got the Commodore, you got the, you got Gem, you've got well, the Mego S, you have 70s, the Commodore. Late 70s really started it with the TRS-80, uh, I think. But then, yeah, yeah. The, everything else was 80s, early 80s. Yeah, and in the 90s, without doing research, I don't think this because I, mean, I grew up in the 80s. I'm, I'm 49, so I grew up with all of that stuff. I don't really remember that much revolutionary stuff in the 90s except for like Windows and OS 2. Windows 95, Internet. I think, Internet was a big general thing. Yeah. America Online. Yeah. Look, Prodigy. For those people that yeah. weren't born in the 80s, you have to realize something. Prodigy. Almost none of us had cell phones in the 90s. None of us had seen a cell phone until like 98, 99. Okay? Yeah, 98, 99. I had my son the other... Those... Well, it was about a couple of months ago anyway. He had a school photograph taken. And when he had his school photograph taken, we were, me and my wife were trying to figure out, you know, which, you know, ver, you know, print to buy. And he just kind of looked at us like, why are you so obsessed about this thing? And I was like, mate, you know, we come from a time where you didn't have a camera in your pocket. And so therefore, when you had these kind of, you know, school photos or year class photos or whatever you'd call it in America, it was a big thing, you know, and he, he just like... Different I didn't world. Have a home PC Different until, world. Uh, well, the arts. Well, if you go back to television shows, Rockford Files had a real telephone in his car. That was a mobile phone. Oh, <laughs> oh those, yeah. yeah, the those car bricks. phones. Yeah, the and that was a, and that was a, that was a real thing. That actually had a radio transmitter in it, and it actually went to a central office, and that person would physically take the RCA plug of the audio output from that and physically patch it into the phone network. So they were transmitters, receivers. Mm, yeah. And we were we, we were talking about cell phones in the late <laughs> don't 90s. don't do that now. And, and, and people are thinking, you know, of the cell phones you have today. No, these were bricks. These were bricks that you held up to your head. Yeah. Yeah, the... I remember my dad used to have one of the analog ones um, because he had a hearing aid, so he, was, he, he couldn't use the digital ones. That's what he thought anyway. So for the first couple of years, he still had this like big Motorola brick, yeah, which didn't interfere with his hearing aid. <laughs> and then later, not even that much later, only a couple of years later, when Nokia 3310s were out and stuff like that, it was a he was able to brick, use it. But you could he was use able that to, use to it like again. break into a car if you really yeah. needed to. And the battery would be there for like a month. Yeah, you could. You could beat somebody the, to but death. The one, one in the and the car phones in the nineteen forties and fifties actually had a push to talk button, so it was basically like a Nextel phone from the uh, early two thousands. And the only, the only and that's people how they, that had oh cell phones <laughs> from like the mid nineties was drug dealers and doctors, drug dealers and doctors, and pagers. It shows how far we've come that in the first episode first season of the wire which is only from 2003 so not that long ago the drug dealers were all using pages and that's where the wiretap comes from i'm just i mean it's a fantastic series and whatever but it just made when i was watching it i was thinking to myself i'm gonna have to explain quite a lot to my son yeah, <laughs> this is a pager in the early arts this is how it works 
late 90s yes absolutely use a pager that that was a brilliant device to have early aughts it's definitely time to switch to a flip phone of some kind or a brick of some kind burner phones well guys we're running okay on yeah it was a good conversation though and we know some of what's coming out for the future hopefully if i get annoyed enough i'll, I'll write the one on the beginnings of the internet yeah it's, a, it's always good to have someone who actually knows something about Please something on the show free to come back every time you want to i know you're also on distro hoppers but uh if you get time again come on do another one of your articles we will sit here and listen to it all day we've just proven that yeah, and there is a lot more. That's really what I read was basically the cliff notes of the further um, detail uh, in the uh, in the article. And I have YouTube videos for a lot of this stuff, and you have to watch some of these YouTube videos because it's mind-blowing when you think they're doing this yeah. on a potato. Okay, um, now where is the article located? <laughs> well, the... The article is on itsmoss.com. It has also been published in Full Circle Magazine. The first two segments of the article. Shameless self-promotion, eh, Moss? I'm not <laughs> shameful. <laughs> oh, yeah. You guys we are going to be so rich. Much, we keep getting contacted by web developers that want to uh, improve our web design and all our mechanics and sales and everything. I'm going, what sales? We don't have sales. We don't have anything for sale on, on itsmoss.com. Yeah. We also don't have enough new articles. So if anyone wants to submit articles for itsmoss.com, please do. Uh, we've got nothing happening in the last year except a couple of fill-in-the-blank articles. Uh, Dale has a draft of an article uh, there, but obviously no one can read it in the admins. Oh. Let's move on so we can uh, wrap this up because there's no vibrations from the ether. Cough, cough, email us, people. Minkcast at minkcast.org. Um, I might email one. There is no <laughs> check this out either. So we'll work on that for next time. We don't have yep. any ideas this Things month. Things have been slow. Okay. Speak for yourself, mate. Okay, on to <laughs> housekeeping and announcement. <clears throat> Thank you for listening to this episode of Mintcast. If you see something that you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us an email at mintcast at mintcast.org. Join us live on YouTube. Post on the Mintcast subreddit. Chat with us on Telegram and Discord. Links are in the show notes. Or post directly at ttpsmintcast.org with the link in the show notes. Next roundtable live stream, 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Saturday, May the 20th, 2023 with a link in the show notes to convert that to your time zone. Live stream information is also available at mincast.org slash livestream. If you like the sound of my voice, you can catch me on a couple other podcasts. I'm on the Linux Link Tech Show, that's tllts.org. I'm on the Linux Lugcast, which is at linuxlugcast.com. You can send me an email directly, jb at mincast.org, or you can buy me a coffee on Kofi. Link in the show notes. Moss? Well, you can hear me every week on Full Circle Weekly News. Uh approximately every month on distro hoppers digest you can email me at bardmoss at pm.me i'm on mastodon as at zyvola at hosttux.social and my other contact information can be found at itsmoss.com and if you want to get in contact with me i'm bill at mintcast.org bill underscore h on discord 
I'm at WCHauser3 at Fostodon.org on Mastodon, at WCHauser3 on Twitter, and WC on uh, Hauser3 on Facebook as well. Also, check out my other podcasts, Linux OTC and Three And Fat if you Truckers. want to listen Majid. to me, my voice, or contact me, you can always get me at drmajid at mincast.org. I'm on at, at Atypical Doctor on Twitter, Atypical Anesthetist on Instagram, and the Atypical Anesthetist podcast is available on Spotify. Links in the show notes. And from more from me, I'm Dale underscore CDL at pm.me, Distro Hoppers Digest podcast. And we write articles on itsmoss.com. Okay, before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make Mintcast possible. Someone for the audio editing, we're not quite sure who yet. Archive.org for hosting our audio files, Hobstar for our logo, and at RD for the animated Discord logo. Londoner for our time sinks, Bill Hauser for hosting the server which runs our website, uh, website maintenance, and the Nextcloud server on which we host our show notes and raw audio, and a lot of our audio editing recently. Um, and the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. Okay. Thanks, Clem. And it's a wrap. 318.42 on. So. 318.50.